Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we talk to Dan Dembski. He is one of the co-founders of Unbound Marino. Nick and him crossed paths, I don't know, some time ago, um, got to know each other. We thought he'd be a great guest for the podcast. He graciously agreed to come on. He's an awesome guy. He's a serial entrepreneur who was frustrated with what he was doing in one of his businesses, wanted a way out, and used crowdfunding and in particular, he used the Indiegogo platform to raise over $400,000 as a, a proof of concept for his new business. But it, not only did it prove there was interest in the new business, it provided the funding to start the new business. So on this episode of the podcast, you're going to listen and get insights into the mind of a serial entrepreneur, learn some of their struggles and challenges and what they go through, and how they used a crowdfunding platform to launch one of their businesses. So um, it's really successful right now. I'm actually wearing their product as a... Um, record this right now. You're going to hear that also on the on the podcast. Podcast, uh, just great, uh, great guy. Um, really, really grateful that Dan agreed to come on. And we had a fun chat. So if you are listening to this and you want to get into business or you want to scratch your entrepreneurial itch in some way, you should know that on June 12th and 13th, or is it 13th and 14th? I think it's June 13th and 14th. I should probably know this stuff. Whatever that Thursday and Friday on is uh, in June. It is the 13th and 14th. June 13th and 14th. Um, is it? Hold on, I'm doubting myself. It's June 13th and 14th um, in the, of this year, 2019. We have a two-day entrepreneur summit that we are hosting where we share all the different things that we are doing um, from around uh, Facebook advertising and marketing and how we're using GooTube. Uh, GooTube? What? <laughs> GooTube. How we're using YouTube. Um, I think GooTube is a cross between Google and YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, and um, basically everything we're doing in business, all the mistakes we've made over the years. And one of the uh, things that we've done is we've put together a rockstar entrepreneur blueprint where we've outlined all the things wish we, we wish we knew to start a business or to grow an existing business. So we're going to share that, but we're also going to share some advanced topics. So some of the things that we didn't share last year. So if you were at last year's Entrepreneur Summit, you're coming again, you're going to get exposed to some advanced uh, concepts as well. So we have all that going on over two full days. It's a, it's a really Herculean effort. It feels like to put this on, but we love doing it. So you can check out all the details of, uh, for that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we're live, Nick. Can you hear me? No. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan is here with us. Can Dan. we turn these down a bit? Yeah, yours is too loud. Oh, yeah. Cranked over here. Okay, there we go. Is that better? That's yeah. Is it a little bit better? Yeah, might be too low now. Dan, um, <laughs> Dan, what's your last? I, I, I didn't catch your last name. Dembski. Dan Dembski. What background? Um, my think I think Polish. I'm not Polish. Like I don't. I've never been to Poland, but like go back a couple of generations. Polish Jewish. There's Polish Jewish somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what I think about? I, I, multiple times I've thought about. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Um, we checked in a couple of times here and there, but 
every time I go to New York now and I go to a Jewish deli, I make a point of what? going to a Jewish deli. And because I of think Dan? of him because yeah, because when we were there, this was during like late night searching for late night pizza slices after a few drinks. Because you know, after a few drinks, I always need pizza. It's just mandatory. <laughs> he does. So and uh, New York has the best pizza. And then you were the one that was telling me about the Jewish deli. So I'm like, really, I didn't even think about that. And bagels. That's that's how I connect to my culture. Not through Poland. <laughs> not through like anything religious about Judaism, but. Being an expert on deli and bagels, like if anyone has an opinion that isn't Jewish, I feel like, like what do you know? Like, that's that's <laughs> so, my culture. So, where uh, do we have good bagels in Toronto? Um, they're okay. Oh, Greif's really? Bagels. It's up at Wilson and Bathurst. I'd say that's that's our that's bagel. the spot. That's our bagel. But when I go to New York, it's just a different level. Oh man, it's a it's, different level. I'm not even a big pizza guy. Like I know I used to eat a lot of pizza. I don't eat so much pizza anymore. But when we go to New York. Dog. The pizza in the New pizza York. Is oh no, but yeah. you could go to a little place off the side of the street. And oh, it's they're amazing all good. Pizza. Yeah. When I think of Nick, I I think of New York in just at late at night that pizza that pizza we had, <laughs> yeah. and you just like. <laughs> he, didn't, that, he didn't even no. eat it. He, he starts breathing. It Nick, in. Nick will freak out if we're leaving somewhere late at night and he and we can't get food. He will disappear because we're, we'll just give up. You know, we're like, oh my gosh, I guess everything's closed. I think we were walking away from the UFC fight at Madison Square Gardens, and we were. Wa- that's what it was. We walked by that cookie place. And they sold this like midnight cookie or oh, something. Yeah. Insomnia cookies. If you had those in New York, there's a few no. of them. There's a few oh. places. Dan, this cookie was at least, I think it was like three inches thick. And they pulled them. It's just a small little like hole in the wall cookie places. And I'm like, oh, what's this cookie place? And so I'm like, oh, I'll have one. I guess I'll just have that chocolate chip cookie. And then they pull it out of a warming drawer underneath and they put it in like a little pizza box and they gave it to me and i was just i was in heaven i went back about three more brought them back to the hotel yeah and the reason i'm sharing this is i think the next night we might have been out for some drinks a little bit later and we were looking around for somewhere to eat and everything was kind of closed and nick's like i think the insomnia cookie place is open and he i think he ran like five blocks east without us and he came back you did come back that night too or was i don't know if i'm confusing the nights anyway with the pizza box of cookies for everyone anyway you got it in new york yeah (laughs) when you're saying leaving Madison Square Garden, you were talking about how, like, usually food, there's no food, things are closed, and he has to go find food. I'm like, when you're leaving Madison Square Garden, I don't care what time or what day, <laughs> there's food is everywhere. Yeah, there, there was, yeah, there was food yeah. options. Um, okay, so cool. Dan's here. I guess I was going to ask Dan about some Indiegogo stuff, just that whole kind of process to kick off. Yeah, go, but, I'll let just, you, go uh, ahead. So, Dan, let's just to set the context. Your current business, because you seem like you've been through an entrepreneurial uh, journey of many lives already, but the current focus is... Unbound Merino. And Unbound Merino, yeah, can you just, I don't know, the story, share how you got... Well, I mean, Unbound Merino, we we make Merino wool clothing. We position it towards travelers. So Merino wool, people, when they think of Merino wool, a lot of people think of scarves, sweaters, like bulky, wooly kind of clothing. But you can make t-shirts out of it using a super fine merino wool you're wearing one right now i'm wearing one I hopefully you're wearing one under your sweater yeah um, let, let's, say, let's say yes i nick i'm representing yeah. over here i love it yeah i but, bought you the damn t-shirt all right no so. this one you didn't <laughs> yeah. no because i liked them so much i bought it in my own <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it, it 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 doesn't feel too dissimilar to cotton it's light it's soft it's not itchy like wool but seeing as though it is wool it has a natural coating called lanolin which makes it antibacterial and odor resistant so we position it towards travelers because you can wear this shirt many times many days in a row and even if you sweat in it it will wick away the sweat and it will never smell because it's naturally antibacterial and odor resistant and it wicks away the moisture which causes the smell so uh 
the way the reason it's good for a traveler is because instead of packing 14 t-shirts because they're going away for two weeks you can pack a couple because you can re-wear them you don't have to go find a laundromat so we're trying to convince travelers to pack less stuff no matter where you're going just go with the carry-on uh travel simpler travel smarter and that's kind of our angle and how we got into the market and i've i've done i i did it and tested it because i know you wash yours still like every time you wear it but i did it and tested it when i traveled because i wanted to see and it, it, yeah it worked actually and when I we traveled the, yeah, it's interesting you said when we traveled i just hang them up yeah oh, yeah. yeah i wasn't washing them because i saw the demo before you guys launched you're like yeah i think this is what we're gonna do here's the product and things like that and they're like i've been wearing i've worn this to the i think it was like i've worn this to the gym i've been wearing it for like a week and you know smell guys and then a few of us were like really let me smell and then as he's wearing it we're like smelling the t-shirt to see if it stinks so as long as you keep yourself clean the t-shirt will stay clean yeah like if you're if you yourself as a person are dirty let's face it it's not the t-shirt's not going to solve that it doesn't change your need to to shower (laughs) to keep yourself clean but the shirt itself I, i i kid you not even to this day it's still like it's been a couple years now uh I wore my black crew neck shirt to the condo gym in my condo. I went on the exercise bike and I was sweating bullets. Came back up. I hung it up on a hanger. And the next day, I like I just left it there and forgot. The next day I was going out and I grabbed it. I forgot it was the shirt I wore on the exercise bike. And I was about to put it on and I and I smelled it. And it's like a, it's like I took it out of the wash. It was completely clean. Complete, like, and to this day, I'm still like, wow. Like I can't, but like I. So it's because merino wool doesn't absorb the moisture. Like cotton is absorbing it. the moisture, and then the bacteria builds, and that's then it. that's what you're smelling. Yes, it's bacteria because it will absorb into the cotton and it stays there, and then it becomes like bacteria forms, and that's the smell. So I never thought it, we'd have this conversation on this particular podcast, yeah. but this is amazing. It's a very yeah, scientific. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I love it. What, it as so. It, if, as long as you air out the shirt, so that's why you hang it up and let it be in kind of a, a open, airy kind of space. It will never you you can wear it every day and sweat you can sweat in every day. You could do hot yoga in it every day. It will not smell. The only time you want to wash it is if it actually gets dirty because if it gets you know you get a stain on it. I mean it it's not stain repellent like it will get dirty. But if it's it's like jeans, like people will put on a pair of jeans, they'll go out with their day, might even get worn, they might even get a bit sweaty, but They'll wear it the next day. They just put it back on. People tend to wash their jeans when they get dirty or maybe they want to shrink it a little bit because it's like they loosen up. That's why people wash their jeans and they're okay with that and they're used to that. This is uh, something for people. It's kind of a new like way of thinking of t-shirts, but it's I'm used to it now. It's like my everyday. So I have less stuff at home. I travel that, less And that's stuff. what I was going to say. I know you guys are focused on the travel market, but I feel like there's a market uh, that like just for simplicity, like you just need less stuff. That, Don't you feel like, like there's like this simplicity movement coming where everybody just wants less technology, less shit, less everything. Just basic crap. You have less yeah, things to Yeah, good. Think about. I'd rather have less stuff that's good quality and just like, I don't want piles of junk. Yeah. Right. So when we were starting and we had this pitch, uh, we were going to do a crowdfunding campaign. We we're going to do a pitch of uh, making it about traveling and for travelers. A lot of people said that's really narrowing your market. Like you should try to go broader. And I really wanted to focus just on the travel aspect because it made everything that we were trying to market more consistent and it was like a very clear message and it was solving a very specific problem and we thought that would work for crowdfunding. Like let's solve a problem and give benefits to people who want to have a better way to travel rather than just be a broad generic another t-shirt isn't company. that what you guys did though yeah we focused okay, just well, on travel okay i didn't know if you were changing you know, people were trying to tell us don't it's yeah, too narrow I got it's too it. narrow and it really got me thinking oh maybe it's a bad idea because then we'll just be 
pigeonholed to being a travel brand. But I'm glad we focused on that because people can buy into the idea through the travel aspect. But if our customers are, are pretty smart, like there are a lot of people are in tech. There are a lot of entrepreneur people there. They, they're kind of, they look at people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and say they were the same thing every day. And I love that simplicity. You can take that message of travel and say, I can apply this the rest of my life. And a lot of people are like our customers are buying, like they'll buy 10 t-shirts and they get rid done. of the rest of their stuff. Yeah. Well, that, I, went, I went back to your campaign. You guys crushed it. It was like Canadian. It was what, 490 or something like that. Yep. It was. And we did two. Oh, did you two, do, do we, two? Yeah, we did two crowdfunding campaigns, and the second one was more than the first one. Was it really? Mm-hmm. So the first one was 490000 for Canadian. Canadian, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, the other one, I don't know what the other one was in Canadian, but it was about 400000 US. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, so you crushed it. That yeah, was the second it. one for Unbound? Yeah, we did a uh, compact travel hoodie. Huh. So, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But Is we that did, what you're wearing right there? Um, let's just say yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, a, a different brand's Merino wool hoodie. Cause I'm just testing out what else is out there and trying to oh, God, find what's okay. good about other brands yeah. and stuff. So no, this is not ours, but I do like this one. So <laughs> did you know about Indiegogo and how to do these kinds of campaigns before? Not like, at all. So, okay. So how did you get to that point then? Well, I had another business. I did, I had a video production agency and I also had this sock business where we made funky socks designed by street artists. And the reason I was starting the sock business is because I wanted to create a product because I was just tired of my first business. We had a good run. We were successful, but I lost my passion for it to the point where, I, I mean, I, I, I was pitching clients and I hated it. I hated it. I just hated my clients. I hated everything I was doing. I needed to find that next thing. So getting into a product business was kind of a shift of a business model. It felt like it would be more the kind of life I wanted to live, but I was never really able to get it off the ground. Um, so I had these two businesses and the idea for unbound came to me through a series of events. And the reason why we did crowdfunding was because I didn't have the time to go and say, I'm going to invest money and energy into a new business. But what I could do is a crowdfunding campaign. Cause I can do that. We worked on it for a whole year, Friday nights only. And I felt like if we could launch this campaign and it was successful, I can figure out what to do from there with my businesses. Can I focus energy on it? But if it failed, I felt like that's fine. I scratched the itch. I could see if this idea was good or bad. It was bad. I can walk away. So crowdfunding was a way for me to validate the idea without uh, putting my time and energy and spreading it thin three ways, which was already struggling doing it two ways with my two businesses. So what did you work? So I don't, I don't know how that would work. What did you work on for a year on those Friday nights? Do you just post what you want to crowdfund and then you just kind of trying to get the word out? So the idea for Unbound came because I, I didn't like what was out there in the Merino wool business. It was all made as active wear and outdoors wear. And I didn't like the way it fit and it didn't, it, like I couldn't dress it up and go out. So I, I didn't solve the need that I had, which was to travel light. So I, I thought we could do this. We could do this. Um, but I had nothing. I didn't have a product. I didn't have suppliers. I didn't have um, a brand. You name. sound like every entrepreneur yeah. who starts. On, yeah, you had, I had nothing. Zero. Yeah. So first step was let's find manufacturers and make prototypes. So we also have no experience in making clothing. I mean, I'm making socks, but that's a lot simpler than making shirts and sweaters and things of that sort. So uh we had to find suppliers, um, build prototypes, get the product to where it was, create a brand, um, make the whole 
the video to pitch it. So all it was like all the pieces until we had a ready-made product and a way of position uh, pitching it on this crowdfunding campaign. It's incrementally took about a year. Got it. Okay, so you had all that yeah. stuff lined up. So then when you went to go do the crowdfunding, you're like, hey, here's the demo. The product was ready. Yeah, yeah, got we it. We just got to put an order in and we can start shipping. So if you want to buy it, you can buy it on the crowdfunding campaign. And we only did it on Friday nights because my two business partners who are my best friends, um, we all worked. I Weren't my, you guys traveling? A bit of the story was you're traveling around different concerts around North America or something? Well, that's how we've been doing that since high school. Okay. So we're big fans of this band Fish. And that's how I started as an entrepreneur. Like we were in high school. We wanted to go see fish shows, but we had no money. So we had to figure out how can we afford? I mean, we were 17, 18. We were going to like Las Vegas, Miami, traveling all around America with no dough at all. But one of us, who's my partner in Unbound, he he's very talented as an artist. So he would make these paintings of the band and then we'd make prints and we they cost us 50 cents a piece, but we'd sell them for 20 bucks US. And we go outside the show and we just sell posters that my friend created. Awesome. For t- trade a poster for 20 bucks. And we're like like hey. illegally, I guess. No permits. Or you're just selling them, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. No, of course. No yeah. Permits. Yeah. yeah that's we great. weren't allowed to use the band's logo or anything. Yeah. It was just got de- it. Art, depicting them like psychedelic that. painting and stuff. Uh, so we would say we need uh, 200 bucks to get from here to New Jersey. Or, you know, that's what gets gas, it gets food. So we'd sell them until we had 200 bucks. We'd go to the next show. And I've, I've seen like over 50, my Andrew's seen like 70, I've seen like 55 fish shows all in like 20 states. A lot, most of them when I was, you know, in just out of high school. So that was like our first taste of what we can kind of do our I love, own thing. I love stories like that. Yeah, that's, that's the great. Best. Yeah. Did the band find out what you were doing? I guess they see you around. Um, word must get out to the band that there's these guys outside selling these cool drawings. They're totally cool with it. Yeah. Um, as long as it doesn't have... Uh, that's just in the, the spirit of the band. Of course, yeah. yeah. I would think they'd be cool with it. Well, the whole... The, it, it, what uh, funny how it fish le- loops back to what we're doing now with Unbound. If you go, you would never notice it because you don't know fish. But any fish fan that would go through our crowdfunding campaign... It's full of fish Easter eggs. So there's little, like even the test when we did 46 days, 46 days is the name of a fish song. That's why we said we're going to test it for 46 days. So um, recently, Fish's road manager contacted us and they said, oh, I saw all the fish uh, references. And I I didn't know who he was, right? I didn't know he was from Fish. I thought he was just a fish fan because we get fish fans messaging us all the time. That's so cool. Like, uh, I love that you did this and blah, blah, blah. He's talking about all the fish references. And I said, oh, wait, awesome. I'll send you some stuff. I do that for fish fans all the time. So I sent them a couple like shirts, a gift. And uh, I found out right before their festival, which ended up being canceled for crazy reasons. But um, he said, hey, uh, I'm going to give you some friends and family passes to come hang with the band. So the festival got canceled, but I was I'm now like connected to the band like. I had backstage passes to go hang and meet with them because of like all. The, That's cool. You came full circle. They are responsible outside. for like teaching me to be an entrepreneur in a yeah, direct yeah. way, and I, it really is spirit like fueled by our desire to like travel and see shows, and it's a it's a part of our spirit. And Unbound is like the perfect embodiment of like the life I want to live. So and, cool. And, and as soon as uh, I get to hang with fish because of it, uh, that's the full circle for sure. So you're born in Tor- Toronto, mm-hmm. Toronto area. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, and then the the campaign, then did you have expectations? Were you like, I don't know if we get, did you have a minimum that you thought, ah, I think there's a business here? We needed about 60 to 70 grand to start the business. 
we asked for 30 because we felt like we can get to 100% faster. And if it, we got to 100% faster, it, it looks like the campaign Success. had traction. And then peop, there'd be more like energy behind it. And people would want to back it more. Like people are maybe more reluctant if it's only 20% funded. So Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, we want, I, honestly, I really thought it could work. I, it, I truthfully felt like this will work. And when it does, I'm going to reevaluate what I'm, and what I'm doing in my life and focus on this new business. Because I was w- ready and willing for it to fail and me to go back and like, okay, I'll figure out what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell business. these damn socks. But I thought it could. <laughs> um, and it was a little better than I expected. I thought maybe it would do it. It sounds like hundred. a little bit. It sounds like a lot better than you expected. Yeah. Well, once it got to 300, I'm like, let's go to a million. And then I, <laughs> but it wasn't going to go. But so why'd you, why with the second one, did you launch it there? Like, why didn't you just go out to customers and things like that? I guess you, you feel like you got more exposure. So it's a good question. We did the first one. I told you because we needed it to validate the idea and to get the cash, start the business. The second one was because the business started growing and growing so fast that our demands on inventory were so we we were selling out of stuff and it was hard for us to predict like how much inventory should we buy that it's going to come in four months when we're growing at this rate we couldn't afford it the only way that we'd be able to get the inventory we needed would be if the bank would give us a loan which they wouldn't because we didn't even have a year of financials yet um if uh we took an investment and sold off some equity or got a loan somewhere else or uh if we found some other way to get cash and i thought why don't we just do a crowdfunding campaign again? Because when you do crowdfunding, you're pre-selling items, mm-hmm. but for a ridiculous timeline. So I could say we're going to start production in four or five months, and then it's going to take four. So yes, we're no selling something. We yeah. didn't have to ship for ten months. So we thought if was we could it that long, it was something that, like yeah, that. Wow. Something like that. I don't know. It might be less, but it's like at the beginning of the year, and we we're shipping. Yeah, it was in still October. a long time. Yeah. It wasn't two months. That's yeah, it was like yeah. A, giving us ample amount of time. The customer they benefit because they'll get a good deal and getting a package, but we were selling packages with our new compact travel hoodie with a couple t-shirts, stuff like that. And we did another 400,000 us in that campaign, but that was basically us just getting an injection of cash without That's us cr- having to sell off the company. So the first one was to start the business. Awesome. The second Nick, we one, gotta, let's start an Indiegogo. Let's right now launch something. Let's on Indiegogo. See, but they had a product. Yeah. I would just launch it without the product and then be like, shit, now I gotta go figure out the, what the product is. <laughs> I was I go, this go close because we in my previous business, I mean, the socks business, we never really took off. No one would ever invest in a, a service-based video production agency. So I've never had conversations where people want to invest. But with Unbound, when it started taking off, people were messaging me. We, had, we talked with VC firms. We talked with people that were my friends that had money and have sold their businesses. And people, I had people that would invest in a heartbeat, and they were ready. And I was this close to, to approaching them and saying, I need cash. Let's do this. But it... And it just gnawed at me in a bad way. Because you were going to give it like, back. And yeah, because it's like right now the business is doing great, but it's a year old. And I already know where it could be in a year, in two years. Like if I have this conversation in two years, I'll get way more money for a lot less. So I feel like it's just, it was it would be an act of desperation. So the tooth, I, I'm a huge, huge advocate of crowdfunding because one, it allowed me to start. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So I, I, I sympathize the people that are in corporate jobs and they have like, oh, they have a, a mortgage and they have like a dependents and all this stuff. And they think, well, how, you know, you, even my own brother, like he has a beautiful house and he has a good job and he, and 
great family and kids. And but he sometimes says, like, you know, I, you know, one day I want to do my own thing. But in his position, it's very hard because it's a hard road to start. And how do you go from having a good salary with all these dependents to starting a, a business that's your own without risking everything? And I think the only way you could do it without risking everything is crowdfunding. Because you could find like I it was my first opportunity to relate to someone who had obligation. Like I needed to eat dinner, so I still had to run my other business. That's where I made my salary. That's where I made my money. Um, but I really wanted to start a new business. So it was as if I was in a corporate job. I was a slave to my other business. Crowdfunding let me, on the sidelines, build something and start something completely different. So I don't care what position you are in life. If you have a full-time job, you work for a corporation, you could do that on the side and completely start your own thing. And it will fail or it won't. So starting was the good thing. But crowdfunding is also good when you're already started. When do you get, once you get the cash... So like let's so after the campaign closed so let's say you raised you know whatever you raised like you asked the first one was three fifty let's say three fifty sure. or three hundred so now you have to go fulfill the orders right so one of the benefits is that you, you're able to use that money because it's pre sales to fulfill the orders so do they give it all to you when mm -hmm. it closes yeah so so we did a two month campaign we did a one month campaign and you could extend it so okay we extended it right at the end so we had to 30 days and right and there was like two hours left we extended 30 because you get a lot of rush in that last couple hours extended it 30 days but they said that they'll give us a payout so we got the first month right then and there and then a week after the second month was done they they gave it so yeah that's cool because then you get to because especially for a product-based business right because you gotta you gotta worry about ordering inventory at least now you know what to order but then after for a clothing brand like that's the challenges i would imagine is you're like well how many larges do we need versus extra larges do we need blue or black or gray yeah or and whatever, you're raising right? money without giving up equity your customers no, it's the best you're, thing ever yeah yeah, yeah. your customers are staking you it's unbelievable they're pre and they and people like it do you know what i, I call crowdfunding campaigns i call them millennial infomercials because yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> you're right it's an yeah, infomercial yeah, yeah. you have a yeah, guy like yeah. like the the founder and he's pitching and he's trying to tell you the benefits and then he's like but you're not going to pay this price if you get it now you get it it really is the same format and you do get that sense if if it if it uh if it does close and enough money's raised you feel like if you're participating in that that you are like part of the company in some weird way you are you right? really are because so all those people that bought like i i remember them and there are people that take pride in like I bought from the like the the first campaign and and it means something to them and it means something to me like I really like, sure don't take for granted those people funded I mean they get they love the brand they love the product but because of them I was able to go and start like what to me is like my dream business it's like exactly the business I want to be doing um, they are they were a part of it they helped it start why do you think this business is the business you want to be doing how you feel like it has more purpose to you. Yeah, it's it's very authentically me. I mean, I'm I feel you like exactly to travel. You, you've the, traveled your whole life, basically. And we, yeah, and we build the company around like we even run the company remote. So we have a warehouse where we ship from here, but we can work from anywhere. So when I travel, I extend the time. I just told you guys I was going to Tokyo. I'm supposed to be. I need to be there for one day, but I'm going for three weeks because I'll That's just relocate and just work from there. Because we're setting the business up so we can live that way. So do you have office? Do you have some staff here other than the warehouse? Yeah. Just okay. the warehouse. Oh, just the warehouse. Yeah, and then we have contractors and stuff we work with, okay. but we don't have like any. Yeah, awesome. Good yeah. for you, man. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a really lean run business. Where have you seen your t-shirts be worn in any uh, location? I guess what's the favorite place that some someone must have sent you a t-shirt from somewhere? Like, look at the Unbound Merino t-shirt here. Yeah, we get we all. If, if you look on, there's not a ton, but if you look at hashtag Unbound Merino, you can see people wearing them all over the world. 
But the people that order them are super cool. Like we had, like the CEO of Shopify just ordered one. Cool. Um, well, actually, we ordered them and we're pretty cool. Yeah. 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 No, there's well, that. I told you that. I yeah, get excited. I, I'm actually just <laughs> listening to that podcast on the Tim Ferriss show of the CEO of Shopify. Talk to Tim Ferriss. The guy's a really interesting dude. Yeah. We, the Our biggest market is like Tech? the Bay Area. Yeah. The, yeah. the amount of shirts we ship to Google and Facebook. I can office. see that because everybody wants that plain t-shirt. Yeah. It's like kind of the and Steve it's, pri- it's pricey. Like it's pricey because the material is like really expensive and it's hard. It's like, expensive to produce. But those people have money and they're looking for the best stuff, the stuff that performs well. But it's not like uh, it's not like we're Gucci where it's like people are showboating that they're wearing something expensive. Like, it's I don't subtle. think you would know. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you would, you well, would you really don't have any logo on it at no. all. Right. No, because like, I didn't know if something changed. No but, visible logos. Yeah. And we never will. Yeah. See, then I like that's there's what no I ta- like. I, no, I really like that. There's no tag back here either. I really like that. But it fits. Um, well, and I remember too because it, it's, it's yes, it's quality, but it's you guys spent time on the fit, obviously. So yeah. which goes goes aligns with the quality? You, yeah. you know what I mean? So quality, it's like it was. A, it's a lot for us to learn, and but we're relentless on it. So like some of the contractors we work with now, we have a, a product developer that works with Joe Fresh and Lululemon, and she comes in and she helps us like build out our spec sheets and paper patterns. So when we started the business, like this is how we created our shirt at first, like. I was a little fatter at the time and my two business partners. So Andrew is one of them. He was, he's kind of ripped, like naturally is always like a ripped guy. And then Dima's like this lanky guy. So we thought this is great. We're like three very different body types. Let's find a, sh- like, sh- like a fit that kind of like looks good on all of us. Cause then we'll have like, we don't want it to work just for fit people or just for fat people. Like we have all three here. Let's find a nice, like good fitting shirt. That's kind of universal. So we'd go to Gap and we'd go to H&M and Zara and we'd try on shirts and we'd be like, oh, I like the way the sleeves are on the on the Gap shirt. And we'd just buy all the shirts and we'd mail out a package to China where we'd say like, okay, the first bundle are the Gap shirts and we like the body here, but we don't like the sleeves. We like the sleeves here. So we just like Frankenstein together <laughs> a shirt and they would send a sample and then we're like, no, it's good, but the, the sleeves are still too long or whatever. And we'd send, so this is part of the reason it took a year to do because you have to send instructions, get another shirt back, send instructions, get another shirt back. And that's like, like I, now that I know how clothing is made, I can only imagine how, like, <laughs> like how what, anyone what even these people with? thought we were dealing, like, dealing with, but they, they were great. And they like gave us the time and the energy until we got our shirt. And now we're ordering like, like tons and tons of stuff with them. So it, it worked out for them to invest the time in us. But and they have that story of these crazy Canadians who were sending them t-shirts in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I went. I was the the factory, one of the places we we produce it, and they're unbelievable in China. Like I was like very like worried to go there and feel like we're manufacturing this to be like children, and like you hear these like horror stories and like it's unethical. Like no, I manufacture in Canada. And in China, and if anything's unethical, it's in Canada. Like I walk in there, it smells like someone took a dump on the floor, and everyone's <laughs> oh, miserable. Man. Like it's shit there. <laughs> oh, shit. There, it's unbelievable. Like they have basketball courts. Everyone breaks together, and they have like chefs. They make these big, awesome, amazing lunches. Uh, I mean, it's still a factory. So look, you, you go in, it's still a factory. And some people might not care to work in a factory, but they have jobs. They're making. People say people are underpaid there i've never seen so many bmws in a parking lot in my life 
everyone there is making money. It's a completely different world. So I go there and I'm just, I feel like a bum and a loser. And like everyone I know here who are like, I know like a lot of interesting, cool people who are doing awesome things. Like we're all bums compared to them. You guys too. Those, they're a different level in China. And oh, man. Nick, um, we have to go. We've been meaning to go yeah. for so many years we've now, talked about but we've it now never gone. Years. I'm just, yeah. you know what, it's but more... I want to go with Dan because I want to see this factory because I feel like on the break, they're going to start singing. You know, and if they all start singing some song that I know too, I'm just gonna join in on the singing. Yeah, no, you know? They, they, and people like they—you could just see it in their faces. Like it's like if you go with them, like this is a good vibe here. And I remember—I feel like Dan went to the one factory that was like set up on purpose for him to come back and share this. Yeah. Story. No, that's I've not been, what they like really make. China, the China's foreign PRs. Like I've this been guy, to this. many factories. I even on my last trip, I went to one where Nike makes. Like, uh, what do they make there? They make socks and they make um, some like undergarment stuff. Um, and that was a different level of factory that I'm used to. And even that was like unreal. Like you think that it would be, no, Nike invests so much in that country. And it, you know, it was a woman owned factory, which is like probably doing like half a billion dollars a year. And it's just like, I'm like the impact of that company is amazing. And I thought they, that would be like, like a, a pretty pretty bad scene, like where Nike makes her stuff, I would think. Well, the, well, I mean, like the media hype that you get around that type of stuff is just, it's all just bad. Like it's... I couldn't be more impressed. I wasn't allowed to take pictures there, but I was like noticing things about just how unbelievable Nike is at manufacturing. Like they had like this rack where they showed like their pre-production samples and everything was labeled, but it was locked and only Nike can unlock it so they can compare like the product quality and like just like the level of man there on a manufacturing. Obviously it's Nike, yeah. but it was like, it was eye opening. but our place is unreal. It's like a com It's like a small city. Like there's the, the, there's the fabric cutting section, which is a whole building. And there's another building that does this, another building that does that. How'd you find them? If you had no experience doing this, how'd you guys find them in the first place? Like wh where, when you he decided just, to start working he with he just the mailed there. a randomly mailed a package to China yeah. Yeah. to China from Dan and friends. We started on Ali <laughs> AliExpress. Or no, we Alibaba. started on Alibaba, and I I picked out at least a hundred potential manufacturers that they could do merino wool, or they're saying they could do merino wool. And I built a questionnaire asking a number of things, which is also included: Can we come visit the factory? It's very important to us. Um, I had like six or seven questions, and. How many of them actually took the time to fill it out? Half. Yeah, okay. So maybe about half. Um, and then the answers that I got back, I would filter out who were the best. And that was based on, like, how they answered the questions, but also, like, the language. Sure. Because I wouldn't want to have a language barrier if I'm going to need to rely on these people. So I narrowed it down to about 10. And then from that 10, uh, I picked the best five, and we did samples with five of them. And of that five, two of them were, like, like their answers were good communication was fast it was clear the product was unbelievable and we still work with both of them today and, and now two others as well you work with both why because you don't want a single point of failure or they do separate products for you um i f we felt vulnerable having one we started yeah. with one makes no it makes yeah. sense i agree with that completely I, mean, I was just talking to one of our suppliers too who's mm -hmm. we shifted some stuff from one to another um, and you know, the, he was like, just blown away, like totally, like, I don't understand why are you doing that? And like, guys, like, look, we can't have a single point of failure. Like now 
when 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 we were doing smaller, he was one of the few vendors that we had a single point of yeah. failure and everything else in our lives we have no single point of failure and when so we were doing smaller one. runs of stuff it was easier to adjust because if it didn't come through we could quickly adjust and do something but when you're doing larger like i'm sure for you guys when you when you just start doing larger larger volume it's harder to adjust right you need longer lead time you, you know they they need time to manufacture so for us it was it became important yeah um yeah and it it yeah it was just too nerve wracking to have right now we have we're looking for more sock manufacturers but we're kind of in that place where uh, we have one main supplier and no one else set up it's a it's a scary feeling yeah. I'm, I'm almost, yeah. I don't know if we mentioned this already but I'm also wearing your socks right now and I just love I know I'm serious I just love the socks those man. are made in Toronto. Yeah, are they? Yeah. The long ones that I'm wearing yeah, or the short ones? Oh, really? Toronto. The yeah. short ones I wear in the summer, and I never thought I'd wear merino wool in the summer. Do you wear the underwear? You don't wear the underwear? I don't have the underwear. No, I have the socks in the you underwear. You have it. You're trying it to came, make me look, feel, look, look bad. Package. I'm wearing socks no, I'm and... To, I'm trying to throw you under the bus. No, yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> I went, I went. No, I think you must have got me the cheap package. I don't remember the underwear. That makes sense. I probably did. Yeah, because yeah. I don't remember the underwear. <laughs> so I don't think you got me the deluxe package for my birthday. But our, I'd say our... I I don't know maybe guys our main factory the one that we do the most business with and the, it's just that awesome place I was describing with the basketball nets and stuff I was walking with our our uh, contacts there and they said oh that's the that's the factory owner it's like the company president and he's walking it's like the coolest looking guy you know <laughs> he's this like Chinese guy he's suit he's tall he's like six two six three dressed like so sharp. Cause like you know, like an earpiece in, just like look like you look at him like that guy is like. He a, looked like he's coming out of a movie. He's a, a movie yeah. set, basically. Yeah, like he he looks like a boss, like the coolest looking guy. And I'm like, does he speak any English? Like, oh, not really. I'm like, tell him uh, one day we'll be his his biggest customer. We're gonna be the biggest. And like they said in Mandarin to him, and he's like looking. And I thought it was, I was just saying it to be friendly and make him laugh, right? And looked, and he's just like nodding. I was okay. And he says something back in Mandarin, and then. They translated back to me. They said, he says he gives you five years. <laughs> like it's like a off. deadline? Yeah. Like, yeah, if you better be my biggest within five. Like, totally serious. Like, it was, if you're I was, not, thought I'm, it was being funny. If you're not, we're cutting yeah. you off. Yeah. You totally, you screwed yeah. yourself now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. it's a mission. Yeah, the translation, something was lost in the translation yeah. of the yeah. joke right there. So when you, when, when you guys started this company then, when you, when you go through that first burn of money from the, the campaign, was there enough cash flow that, like, was the, the company, like, kind of churning at that point that you could kind of survive? Because I think that's what many entrepreneurs will think, well, like, what happens if I don't continue to sell product? It, will the business, like, live on? Like, am I going to survive past one year? Did you guys have that window or did it just start ticking off so much that you didn't even have to worry after after you burned through that first run of money? No, I was worried, like, right away. Yeah, okay, um, that sounds normal because yeah. that's what we all worry about yeah, all the time. I, I think as an entrepreneur, I tell Nick all the time, I think you're just designed to almost always worry. It's just always back there. You just deal with it. Well, I, I was talking a lot with uh, a business coach who we he wasn't hired for us. Um, we were in no position to hire because he's super. I saw you guys have the scaling up and Rockefeller Habits book around here. This is one of those gazelles coaches, and we worked with him in a previous business. But I'd call him up sometimes just to like get some advice and run some ideas by him. And he was so excited about this. Oh, this is great. He said, "But Dan, you don't have a business. You just had a a jump start. It's like when you start and you have your own website and you're selling on your website. That's when you have a business." And we had all the product we started shipping, but we were still setting up our Shopify site and it felt like we don't have a business yet. Like until I'm selling on this store, we don't have a business. And I remember setting up the site, which was so easy on Shopify because we already had all these assets, like photography from the crowdfunding campaign. We're just plugging into a template 
but we didn't launch our site yet. The site was up, but we didn't launch it in the sense like any kind of like marketing, like social media posts or anything like that. So we had it up for a few days. And then we had to do some final tweaks before we we're going to start planning this launch campaign that we were going to do. And I went to the back end and we had like a bunch of orders. And I had no idea how they even found the site. And I realized, oh, of course, because we already had our brand and we already started shipping products. So people were oh, looking searching, for us. Yeah. And they Holy found it, but shit, uh, uh, so we rushed good, back. Good for you, man. Yeah, so we rushed back to the warehouse and got to ship these because they were sitting there for days. But I didn't even. <laughs> you did, I didn't you even had think, orders you didn't even know about. I didn't even think to look. Like, I didn't have the app on my phone. I had the little ching that comes in. Does Shopify goes. automatically set you up with your merchant account or whatever? Was yeah, it, the, yeah, like the the Is that yeah, where they're at Shopify now? payments. Yeah, okay, like, okay, yeah. okay, got it. I don't use some other. Yeah, yeah got it. Okay, so started shipping and. It just kept coming in. We're, like If I did nothing at that point, it would still keep going because there was the word of mouth and the product was good and people liked it and they were coming back. But that was just the start. Like it gave, We had 2,000 customers from a crowdfunding campaign and it started, kept rolling in. And uh, yeah, I, it, I, I started to get less worried. And at that point, when I felt I had a business, I walked away from it. I, I literally just walked away from my other businesses. You know what, though? There's something that you probably, I'm sure you considered this but some people listening might not know is that and i don't know that your, your two buddies that you, that you own it with and they're probably the same type of people but you had a lot of goodwill built up from people that you had worked with and helped with before and i think it's just the value of being a good person because i know when you launched your first um the indiegogo campaign you're trying to say dan's a good I, person well, yeah well i i got you know I emails i saw either posts or emails from multiple people i knew saying hey this guy's launching this. I know him, you know, to help support him and stuff like that. And I just think over time, when when you try to help people and you're actually just a good person trying to do stuff, then when when your time of need comes, people will naturally be like, yeah, man, I'd love to lend a, lend a hand. Yes. You know what I mean? And it really, really was a factor. Um, I think one of the key things we did to make the crowdfunding campaign successful was we worked with Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter because they cut a deal with us where they said, if you can get... 33% of your crowdfunding goal within the first 48 hours will feature you in our newsletter. And that's going to be huge for you because there's a lot of readership and a lot of people buy from it. It'll be worth a ton of sales. So that was the reason I said we needed 60, 70,000 to start the business, but we made it 30,000 because it was easier to get to 10,000. And I felt I know enough people that I can get $10,000 in sales of t-shirts just from the people I know. That's cool. Smart. So, so the first day, all we were doing was getting every, including you, um, everyone I felt comfortable enough saying, can you just buy, like, you don't, no worries if you can't, if it's bad timing, but just buy a t-shirt or anything you want. I'm proud of what we're selling here. You're going to love it, but you're really helping me. That's what you're doing this for. I need your help. So the first orders that came in, I remember was my brother, Brian Dembski, and then my business partner's cousin, Sandy, and like I just remember all these familiar names just kept coming in. But because we had so many people coming on the site and buying and we reached that threshold so fast, we started trending. So by the end of the first day, I started seeing names like Johannes in Berlin. I don't know who that is. And then they start selling here and here all over. The, by the end of the campaign, I think we sold in almost 80 or 90 countries. Oh, wow. Um, it was all started from having a pack of my own friends and family that were willing to, you know, cough up 40, 50 bucks and help the yeah, campaign. But that's good. That's built up social 
currency. Yeah. You know, that you've built up. That's loyalty that's compounded over years. And if but if you were someone else, like because so many people when they're either starting a business or even when they're they're when they have a business and they're selling, all they're trying to do always is sell, sell, sell and ask for more and ask for more and ask for more. Whereas, you know, if you just do that, people are like, man, just, you know, get lost. Like, I'm sick of you. Yeah, right. Yeah. But when you're when you're willing to help people and you have these good relationships, you're like, hey, man, I just need a hand. People are there for you. Yeah, Dan doesn't strike difference. me as someone he's been screwing other people in his other businesses for years, which a lot of people, when they get into business, are always trying to screw someone to serve themselves. And I don't get the sense yeah, that you're like that. A lot of and people it, think there's got to be a winner and loser to everything. Yeah. Right? yeah and there yeah. doesn't. Like there yeah. seriously does, and I know that sounds like some BS from like a, a spiritual book or whatever. Like, it, look, if I was listening to this twenty years ago, I'd be like, "This guy's full of shit." Because wow, yeah, you're getting soft, man. No, <laughs> no because yeah, but I'm seriously, because I'm like, what do you mean? That, you know, if, whenever there's a negotiation, there's a winner and loser. Some, you know, this but there true. actually doesn't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and I really needed to get people's attention too, and and try to motivate them to do that even like i know you do is, even though you had the loyalty yeah, you need yeah, to push that message yeah, you so, really need to call it out I, and i do i do have you know i have made connections over the years and i do know people or that they have my back so I, I i could count on that but we couldn't risk not having them support and i remember about half a year earlier or something like that i got a a message in in my facebook messenger from someone that had a crowdfunding campaign and I saw at this point, this was like half a year before I started my own. I stopped paying myself a salary for my other business. Like I was like in between, in limbo, in purgatory of my life, trying to figure out what the next thing is going to be for me. And I got this message, and it said like I started a crowdfunding campaign. I don't really know the guy very well, um, but it said, "Hey, dude, I just want to let you know I started a crowdfunding campaign." Blah 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 blah. I was just trying to sell whatever he was selling, and I could just tell it was copied and paid first of all i haven't talked to the guy in years and i could tell it was just copied and pasted to everyone i felt it would be very easy for me to not reply to this and he would never even know and i didn't because i just didn't want to buy more stuff at the time and i just didn't think he cared so i thought how easy would it be if i sent out messages to people they can think it's just a mass message how do how can i make it seem or how can i make it so they know that it's not just like they're not just a number i'm just trying to get their money back actually like need their help and I'm trying to connect with them. So what I did is I made a YouTube video for every individual person. So I did about like, I don't know, I didn't make one for you, did I? No, I, oh, I, sorry. I Nick was lower. Nick I, was lower on I the list. Like, yeah. I made the A list. Nick, yeah. Yeah. Nick was on the like probably the C list. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. Still, can I still get a refund? Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, but but it would be I I I turn on my webcam and I'd say for my buddy Dave, I'd be like. Dave, how are you doing? We haven't spoken in a while. Uh, how's your new kid? Whatever. I talk something personal, say some inside joke, and I'd say, listen, I'm making this video because I actually need to ask you for something. I'm launching this campaign. I put my um, blood, sweat, and tears into this for a whole year, and you don't worry if you can't, but like, if you can go in, and I'll send you the link below this, below this uh, message. If you can support, this is what it means to me, and blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, I saved it as like Dave and his last name dot MPEG. So instead of getting a generic message, they got this thumbnail video with my face and it says Dave last name dot MPEG. It's so like, how are you not going to click play? You can click play right in the messenger window. And then they click play. I said, Hey Dave, they know it's just to them. It's almost, you can't like not respond. No, and some people I, said, Hey, you know what? I, I good luck to you. Like, it's just not a good time. No problem. Like I don't ever want to take, you're 40 bucks if it's just like times are tough or whatever. 
but I was asking these people and forcing at least to elicit a response. And I crushed in that first day and we were trying and we were trending for like for the for a good week and a half, two weeks, which is just allowed us it's to funny how advanced because that could be considered like advanced marketing is just basic good common sense yeah. going the extra mile right like it's you could because you well, could frame takes, what but it takes work right exactly Most people are like well why would i do that why don't i just send a generic a bcc why don't i automate an email? it it yeah. wasn't you know yeah I mean? so it only took a, it took us a couple days but uh, uh like non-stop work to do those videos because you had to export like yeah, yeah the export, return and then you got the organization of yeah. sending the right one to the right person and yeah and <laughs> private and yeah and then making them all private i didn't want people to look at other people's but videos, that's a, yeah. that work is what made you different yeah you know it stood how, did, out. how did you get that conversation going with indiegogo to get the you know where they proposed if you hit 30 or 33 percent of your target they would put you on the newsletter did you approach is that something where you were like i'm going to approach them because i know they do this kind of thing or did they see the formation of your campaign and say oh, i think this one's going to take off a friend of mine uh named cory herskew uh he said to me you're doing this on indiegogo you're not doing it like he didn't even give me a choice uh and he made a connection to indiegogo and i just listened and he said it, you know you know they say second place always has to work harder so indiegogo second place to kickstarter kickstarter is yeah. a much bigger market but trying to get in contact with them is like it's like contacting facebook yeah, you can't google. talk to a person or yeah. google right so uh, having that personal connection, um, it is hugely helpful in helping figure out how to put this thing together. And they propose the, the deal. They do it all the time because they're trying to huh. give incentive to people to go on Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter. And I think that was one of the best decisions we did for that reason because we actually had allies there. One of the guys that before we even launched the campaign, he came to Toronto for some event and he came and made time to come have a coffee with me. Like they really care and that goes a long way. So I maybe could have done better on Kickstarter. I don't know, but I, the best decision was going on Indiegogo because it was just like locking in those deals. And from your experience, crowdfunding in general is still a mo is building momentum. Has it hit like a plateau of what people are doing on these platforms? I just I, general, like for you, I don't, I don't know. I mean, our second campaign did better than the first. We also had customers and like some, you know, we already had some people who knew us at that point. So that added to it. But there's still a huge amount of people going on these websites. I really just think it has to do with the idea. I think a lot of uh, products that were garbage or didn't ship have kind of made people a little bit more apprehensive uh, and fearful. But you, as long as you can prove that you're legit um, and you have a real product. I think if you're doing a tech product, it's a little harder. If you're doing a, a movie that you want people to fund, no one gives a shit. Um <laughs> There's things that won't work, but I I think the I think the landscape is great still. I still can't believe that factory in Canada smells like shit. When he said the word shit, there I was thinking about the factory in Canada again. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I, you know what? I, I, I'm I'm talking down on them more than I should. It's just like, you know, this. I'm just. I go to back, I, I backpedal, go to, backpedal, yeah, backpedal. No, no, no. Good. This is Dan, the thing. Dan, just thing. stop. You're, no, 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 no. you're good. Let you're me good. explain. <laughs> I'm gonna explain why I like I really love China. Like I, I go to China. You get off the airplane. And everything's you're, new. You're, it's not LaGuardia Airport. Yeah, you know, it's the airport's the airport's okay. It's fine. It's like nothing bad about it. But you you get on like you're think you go to Pearson, you want to get to downtown Toronto. But imagine it's like twice as far. Now, getting from Pearson to downtown Toronto, it can be you get on your little train and goes they now have the up train. Yeah. And yeah. you can get there in like 40 minutes or with or without traffic, you're good. And that's a nice convenience. 
But, it but the maglev from the Shanghai going twice the distance gets you there in eight minutes because it goes 400 kilometers an hour. <laughs> oh Everything God. in China is the goes next fast. level. You come, you come here. I look at the factories here. And I look at the trains here, and there's like everything here. It's so it's fun. It's so funny you say this. We just did an event with um, what we have. We have a, a like a VIP group within the Rockstar Inner Circle, and we had 150 people out, and a, a new VIP member of ours joined. He's from China. Um, he still spoke. He has an accent and stuff. So you, you know, born in China, yeah. recently here, buying some properties and investing in that kind of thing. And he, we were talking about rail and how important it is to Toronto. And we were talking about how our rail here is just slow. And he spoke up and he was asking, well, why, you know, why, why can't you just make faster trains? And like, why are the trains here so slow? Goddamn slow. Yeah, right? I don't get it either. And, and now we know the answer because the, the 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 rail consultant that was there was explaining to us that our tracks are from like CN Rail tracks that the uh the tracks from the that freight trains. from the freight trains we can't put faster trains on the existing track system uh, so in right. europe and asia they have they have for the sorry i'm cutting you off for, for the like for uh passenger trains specific rails for just passenger trains so we it's the infrastructure is limited because the slower freight trains yeah. where our our fast passenger trains are using the slow freight train rails it's the same system yeah and we haven't spent the money to invest in these new rails to put the faster trains on yeah it's crazy like you go like i i looked up a i wanted to go to some event or was considering going to some event in edmonton and i looked at what would it take to go on by train that would be fun and first of all, it was like triple the price of a flight, and yeah. it took four days. Is it triple the price of a flight? It was crazy. Well, I went to four my, days. Where did Dan go? Oh, I, I he went, went to, to Edmonton on a train. I went to Montreal once on train because I'm like, I think this is when I was younger. I was going to see someone that was in school yeah. up there, a friend. I'm like, oh, I'll take the train. And yeah, it wasn't much cheaper than a flight at that time, maybe. But it, 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 I remember like this isn't really cheap. And it wasn't that fast. Like it took hours <laughs> yeah. and hours to get I, there. I like Montreal train though, a train because if you factor in going to the airport and security and stuff, yeah. it's about yeah, yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's that distance where you it can makes just sit there and relax. And right? yeah, you just walk on. It's so simple, yeah. and like you could just like it. You know, it's a it's a cozier and I, experience. And I don't like leaving from the, the island airport either because every time I leave from the island airport, man, they're like they're, it's just always sketchy. There's always wind. And I don't know if we're <laughs> just missing it, but we have no parking. Like you have to Uber it from Oakville down there. There's not a lot of parking. Yeah, yeah. if you drive down there, there's just nowhere to put your car. I've always left like super early morning, so I get lucky. But yeah, yeah. One time I left off the island. These are suburb problems, Dan. Do you live downtown Toronto? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can walk to Billy Bishop. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the airport's made for you. It's not made for us. Park in my building next time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Visitors. Um, I was going to ask uh, Tokyo. What? What? Uh, why Tokyo? What is there a, a reason you're going to Tokyo for two, three weeks, or whatever you mentioned? Um, I'm going for two, three weeks just because I might as well stay while I'm have there. You, have I'm you going been for to a, I'm doing like a, a thing at the universe, universe, some university in Tokyo. How'd you get hooked up with that? My brother. He lives in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Yeah, he connected through someone he knows who has runs the your brother who said he's working. He's got a good corporate job. No, or- that's my my. Uh, I was talking about my oldest brother. Okay, got it. Different he, brother. Yeah, he's there. He teaches English, plays music. He's in a touring band. Yeah. And he set you up with some speaking gig. Yeah, he said, if you can come and do this, do it. And I, for me, I just like, I, I told Nick, I'm like, I want to start doing more podcasts, speaking a bit, just like try it out. So I'm like, hey, how cool would it be to go to Well, Tokyo? you know what? I can't tell you how helpful this is just hearing your story because countless people will come to us and talk about our story. By the way, when you said um, quitting um, 
your job when you have uh, I was laughing at yeah it. yeah you said I don't want to risk it it wouldn't be advised I don't know the way you said it, it was basically right. like you, you don't want to risk everything if you have a family and you just quit your job that's what I I was in the corporate world for 10 years uh-huh. a mortgage on my house a four uh, month old daughter or 10 month old daughter and a four year old son and with Nick I just quit because I was in your place but right. I, I didn't have the entrepreneurial side I was in the corporate world and I told Nick if I don't quit my job right now and start something entrepreneurial, I'm gonna put my head through the drywall in this office. Yeah, Like I'm literally gonna run through the drywall. And I think my wife thankfully knew where I was and she support. I don't know. Looking back, how she supported me, I'm so thankful. You probably uh, you probably but, lied to her and didn't. Tell but the, the amount story. of money that we spent, and it was risky. It was. So you're speaking the truth, Dan, because mm-hmm. we went into we you know we had access to some credit lines and stuff that we dipped into heavily. You know, we went through eighty. I never forget when we got, hit the eighty thousand dollar mark negative on that credit well, line, which hard. might not sound like a, a lot, but when you are supporting a family and a mortgage and no money's coming in the other way, and you hit eighty thousand and you don't see the light yet, the to the turn that that got scary a little bit. But then we started making. Some uh, rock star work. We saw the business and starting. We just didn't have the income yet, but we saw the demand growing. So we're like, there's some. There's. It's not like we're just like, well, let's just keep going like blindly. That's that's a good point. I held my job for six months until we saw there was some there, revenue there was some starting. Pipe, there was some pipeline being yeah. formed. So. I think, and I think I would do the same. Like I think I I I just maybe it's because I've been an entrepreneur for my entire working career that I feel like I couldn't give up like my like my life and what I want to do. and that's, But I had my other business. So I kind of felt like I was sort of in that position. The whole point of like what I was trying to say is like, it's like there really is no excuse. Like if you feel like I think you should be able to just go broke and like live on less and try out what you need to try out. You could always go back to working somewhere else. I agree. Else. And I think I would do that too. But for me, it's It's like, hard to give that advice to people but because I'm the same way. I, I agree with you 100%. But sorry, I cut you but off. Yeah, but, it, but like with crowdfunding, I I am an example that I didn't need to stop doing other stuff. Like I could still work on my other business until I'm like, this is a real business. And the second I identified this is actually a business, like if it failed, I would not be in the same situation, the crowdfunding campaign, if it failed. But it, it worked. So I was, I'm proof that you, like I only did it on Friday nights. We started at 8 p.m. when Dima, one of my three partners, put his two kids to bed because he had two young kids. He put them to sleep. We'd go to his place. We'd work starting at about 8 o'clock till about 1 to 3 a.m., depending on how much energy we had. We did that for a year. And every other week, we'd take uh, a Saturday or he'd take a day off work and we'd do like a day. So on the complete sidelines, we started a whole business. And on those times, that's interesting. On those times, who decided what you were going to work on? Like who had the plan of like, okay, I guess we got to get these t-shirts designed. Like, was it just a random of like what needs to be done next? Or on those days, did you guys like, okay, guys, for these next few hours, like this is what needs to be done. We would, we would plan what we'll do in the next session at the end of each session. Okay. So it's okay. We did this. Next, what we really need to work on is this. And sometimes that would involve a couple of little things that we might need to do throughout the week, but small things like book a photographer because now we have the product. We got to take some photos and stuff like that. So, But you know what? Like the discipline you got, you had to do it couldn't be easy because at that time you were living King West, I think, yeah. right? And this is Friday night. So, And this is Friday night and you're leaving when everyone's going out to bars and yeah. stuff like that. And you're coming home and the parties are going on. You were in a bad place. That's right. a great place to be in. Yeah, I, 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 I look when you go and you believe that you're building something and you really believe in it and you come back to King, you come back to where I live right in King West and you see those 
animals. <laughs> That's what they like. I, I'm like, I don't even recognize my area when it's like 2 a.m. on yeah. a Saturday night. Like it's like these people are monsters. <laughs> So and I think of all the great work that we just did. I just and I just see how dumb. And I didn't feel like I was missing out at see all. People like, tripping I out of sleep, tripping and, out of Ubers, tripping into Ubers. I'll tell you, up my and... favorite thing in my neighborhood is uh, it's not the, the the monsters at night. It's it's when I have a good night's sleep because I don't do the Friday nights and stuff anymore. So sometimes I'll I'll just get to bed early and I wake up and I have a dog. So I'll take him out to the dog park across the street. Then Saturday or Sunday morning at like. 6 30 7 a.m stumbling out of other places oh it's great a lot of walk it, of, the, wa- see, the like, walk of shame is happening oh yeah you yeah. just see someone in like uh, like uh, like a woman in a tight little plastic dress just like clicking out of like like the sun is like uh just getting into an <laughs> uber like just like what did i do <laughs> oh, no. and i'm just standing there i'm fresh as a daisy you know i already showered had You're, breakfast yeah. i'm walking my dog and i'm just like i could just see you pointing at her like yeah. winking at yeah. her yeah exactly <laughs> It's I, a funny I area. I know what happened. Yeah. 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 Oh, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, thank you uh, so much. Nick, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted. Uh, there was, I, 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 it slipped my mind. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. A lot of what you just shared I think is going to really help some people who are thinking about if they should, when they should, how they could. Do you post like your thing and put show notes anywhere? We do put show notes, okay, yeah. Okay, because I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple links. So I did two articles on Reddit. I just posted. Um, one is about crowdfunding, and a lot of the things I talked about, you asked about how we found our manufacturers and stuff. Um, when I did the crowdfunding campaign, I, I went to everyone I know that has done crowdfunding campaigns. I got every piece of information I could to try to like apply it to our own campaign. I went to all the successful campaigns I liked. We copied all the little design things that worked for them. Um, but I made a post of the stuff that I didn't find that we did on our own, including like that little like YouTube thing and, and, uh, how we did face, uh, ads for our campaign and stuff. And I mapped it out. So I'll send you a link to that, but that's like a really comprehensive thing. That's like just unique to our campaign. That's that's really, really effective. That is huge. Thank you so much. We will post that on the show notes. So for anyone listening to this, if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, you'll find Dan's episode there. And on the show notes, we'll have that. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's really comprehensive. The whole thing, finding manufacturers, how we did the whole YouTube thing, um, how we kind of deal with Indigo, stuff I touched on, but all in depth there. Awesome. And for Unbound, the best place to go to is the website. Yeah, UnboundMarino.com. UnboundMarino.com. We'll also put a link to UnboundMarino.com in there. And then are are you guys on, is Unbound on Facebook? Is there a media, a social yeah, media? Yeah, Unbound Marino everywhere. So Instagram.com slash Unbound Marino, Facebook.com slash Unbound so, Marino, okay. Twitter, Unbound Marino. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing this. That's a great story. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, It's great that Dan's a Toronto-based entrepreneur as well, local guy. So we kind of just love the whole story. The URL is unboundmarino.com again. So uh, just feel uh, grateful to support his business and be a customer of his. And for him to come on and share that, just that was a fun chat. So uh, hopefully you took something away from that. And if you are listening to this and you want to come out to our Entrepreneur Summit to learn some entrepreneurial stuff from marketing to business operations, I think we're bringing out our accountant uh, this year. We have special guests coming in um, to share their stories as well. You can get all the details for that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash summit. That's it for now, everyone. Until next time, your life, your terms.